This time of year always conjures up memories of childhood, and um, I remember well this season of anticipation growing during these first days of December when I was growing up. I remember that it seemed like Christmas was just appearing all around me, everywhere I looked, and I, I loved watching the world get ready for it. I especially loved some of the Christmas specials that were on TV during this time when I was a kid. You know, Rudolph, The Grinch, Charlie Brown in that sad, sad little Christmas tree. And last year, right around this time, I, I came across a link online that had a schedule of all of the Christmas specials for that year. I didn't have time to read the article, so I just forwarded it to my husband, Jim, who is our technology specialist, so that we could anticipate those Christmas specials and he could record them on the DVR so we could show them to our kids. I couldn't wait to show them some of those classics I had enjoyed as a child. Well, Jim sent a message back asking which of those Christmas specials I wanted to record. Um, as a side note, isn't it wonderful that we can just text each other in marriage now? Just don't even leave the room. We just send each other messages electronically. So my response to that question, which Christmas specials do you want to record? My response was this, all of them. All of them. We want the kids to see all of these great specials. I thought it would be great if they saw the same special classics that we saw as kids. But it turned out that all of them wasn't really an option because this website listed 285 different showings of Christmas specials on TV last year. That's last year, I'm sure they've created a few more. Now granted, a few of those were uh, repeats of the same show on a different network, but really 285 possible Christmas specials. There, there were the ones that I remembered as a kid, Frosty was there and The Grinch, but there were also some new ones Elmo Saves Christmas, Shrek the Halls, Mickey's Christmas Carol, Bugs Bunny's Christmas Carol, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, Barbie's Christmas Carol. I'm not sure that that's what Charles Dickens had in mind. There were a few love stories like the 12 dates of Christmas, but then there was the 12 trees of Christmas, the 12 dogs of Christmas, and the 12 Dogs of Christmas Part 2. <laughs> you can't make this up. Apparently, the first 12 dogs just weren't enough. And I started to think, as I looked through this amazing list, what would have happened if we really had recorded all 285 specials? First, we would have had to erase some important football highlights on our DVR. <laughs> but also, what if we had tried to watch back-to-back every story that was shown for Christmas last year. How, how confusing would that have been, not just for our kids, but for us, if we had watched hours and hours of stories that were somehow trying to capture the story of the season. I think I, I learned two things about our culture from this schedule of Christmas specials. First, I learned that we are excited about the Christmas story but we have no idea what story that is. And the second is this, we are terrible at waiting. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade was barely over last week when the Christmas specials began to air. 
in case you weren't paying attention, you have already missed the classic Frosty the Snowman, and I'm sure the soon-to-be classic Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. <laughs> Those two aired before December ever flipped its page onto our calendar. And it doesn't really surprise any of us that we live in a world that is terrible at waiting. The Christmas decorations were in the stores before Halloween. There's one radio station in Lexington that has been playing round-the-clock Christmas music since November 1st. We're terrible at waiting year-round. It's just this season that makes it even more apparent to us. But the cure for those who are terrible at waiting is Advent. Advent is training to wait. Advent means coming or arrival, and it's a season of waiting and preparation, like cleaning your house before a treasured and important guest is supposed to arrive. Our church bears the gift of not rushing too quickly to the arrival of baby Jesus. That is when we convince our church that it is worth, it is worth the time to wait. As a pastor, I was never able to convince a church to wait beyond the first Sunday of Advent to break out the first Noel and angels we have heard on high Christmas hymns. But we do have this rich heritage of Advent hymns that sometimes we never really get around to because we're too busy decking the halls and jumping into Christmas. So you'll hear a few of those this week, these unusual minor tunes that seem a little strange to our ears when Rudolph is playing in the grocery stores. The songs that we sing are part of our story. And we have a story, we have a Christmas special that the world needs to know about. And it is a story of waiting. Luke's Christmas narrative especially has a way with anticipation. It builds up to the birth of Christ by making us wait for it. Luke opens with the story of an expectant mother, but not the one we were anticipating. Instead, Luke comes up with what is his own Christmas special, not the one we were expecting. Instead of a young, unmarried virgin, we find instead an older woman named Elizabeth. Elizabeth's been married for decades, so long that she and her husband, Zechariah, the priest, have long known how to finish each other's sentences. Elizabeth has hoped for so long to become a mother that she has almost given up hoping. She is no longer in the age bracket that welcomes little bundles of joy. And yet, and yet here she is in our story where she unexpectedly finds herself expecting. Instead of hot flashes, she's got morning sickness. Instead of saving for retirement, she's digging into savings for a crib and baby clothes. Her young cousin Mary comes to visit, and before either of them ever says a word, Elizabeth immediately recognizes Mary is expecting tea. And she knows something even more wonderful about the baby that Mary is carrying. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That joyful greeting between these two women must have been followed by all kinds of questions. How is Elizabeth pregnant at such an advanced age? And how is Mary pregnant at such a young age and without a husband? These are not polite questions to ask. 
These are none of your business kinds of questions. But Luke, he's poking and prodding into some off-limits area, even right here in the Bible. Leave it to Luke, the doctor, to come out and talk about pregnancy in chapter 1. Where I am from, there are still some places where one doesn't say the word pregnant in polite company, much less from the pulpit. Now, one might say something like, her condition. That's the polite way to say it. Uh, I had a friend who was an associate pastor who needed to announce to her church that she was expecting, but her senior pastor, who was from another era, insisted that he make the announcement formally in church, and he, he did so only referring to her blessing. We want to congratulate her on her blessing. We're so excited about her blessing, and it left some of the church members wondering, what was her blessing? <laughs> Maybe she had won a car or something. They didn't, they didn't really know how to interpret that. And yet, right here in the Bible, here they are, not experiencing a blessing or in a condition, Mary and Elizabeth, pregnant and pregnant. That's about where their similarities cease. Mary and Elizabeth could not have been at two more different stages of life. It's anti-acne cream meets anti-wrinkle serum. It's driver's permit meets AARP card. And yet, here they are, both in the same wonderful, miraculous condition. There is certainly a recurrence of pregnancy happening in this picture, but there is also a contrast of just about every other trait, young and old, married and unmarried, pregnant with a baby that fulfills a longing of many years, and pregnant with a baby who would be the surprise of the century. There is so much more going on here than just a greeting of two long-lost cousins getting together to celebrate the impending arrival of their babies. There is a picture being painted for us of the longing of God's people for centuries, waiting for a Messiah to show up and rescue them. God's people had been in waiting for thousands of years, for a single promised person to come and rescue and to right all the wrongs they had endured. This gift of a Messiah had been forecast and broadcast and advertised for so long that people had really gotten their hopes up. Isaiah put it this way, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. No pressure, right? Those are some high expectations. God's people had put all of their hopes into the arrival of this Messiah. And while much of the Old Testament paints a picture of an expectant people in a condition where they were long overdue for a birth announcement, no baby had yet come. And that sounds a lot to me like Elizabeth's story. In fact, Elizabeth is a great stand-in for God's people in this story because they have been longing for a child and the birth of a child for so long that they have almost given up hope. This seems to be Elizabeth's story, this story of God's people. 
And, and then there's Mary. She finds herself in the same condition, but the opposite situation. She finds herself expecting the baby that she never expected. While Elizabeth's baby is almost too late, Mary's baby is far too early. She's, she's young. She's unmarried. It is a scandalous place to find herself in. In fact, there may be other reasons at play here beyond just a nice visit to her older cousin. It's likely Mary needed to get out of town while the news of her pregnancy spread to her family, her fiancés, and to their neighbors. While Elizabeth was overdue for a baby, Mary's pregnancy was unexpected in a different way. This is the baby that no one expected. Because both the condition of his mother and because when he arrives, his entire identity is a shock. And in that way, Mary's condition is a lot like the condition of God's people as well. As much as they have been hoping and waiting for a Messiah, they will be totally thrown off guard when he arrives because he's nothing like the Messiah they planned for. The circumstances surrounding his birth were surprising, to say the least. People were thinking palaces, not stables. Crowns, not swaddling clothes. And his birth would be just the first of many ways that Jesus defied everyone's expectation. Jesus was a Messiah against all expectation. He didn't lead a conquering army. Instead, he sought out those who were the least and the lost, the very people everyone else had given up on. He was a friend to sinners. Instead of conquering those who challenged him, he died on their cross. And then he defied everyone's expectations by defeating death itself. People don't always like it when you do things that they don't expect. And who shows up with all the power in just their little finger to zap all the bad guys out there, but lays down his life for them instead? They were expecting a leader who would ride into the town and destroy their enemies, but just like Mary, they never expected this baby. How could they have known that he wouldn't just save us from our enemies, but save us from ourselves? And it turned out, spoiler alert here, it always turns out that God's plans are better than what we have been hoping and expecting for. Jesus was the gift that everyone needed, that no one expected. And even though the world was longing for him, like Elizabeth longed for a child, we were still completely taken off guard, like Mary, when God came in the flesh. I will say I have this very distinct memory of a Christmas four, five years ago now, standing in front of a sanctuary and reading the Christmas story from Luke to a congregation and feeling a little bit like an object lesson myself. I was in a condition great with child and filling out my huge black clergy robe. My blessing was pretty obvious for everyone to see. I was the first pregnant pastor this church had ever known, 
and I was due in just a couple of months, and in a way, it seemed like the whole church was expecting with me. It was interesting to me that people kept using we language. They kept saying things like, do we know if it's a boy or a girl yet? And do we have a name picked out yet? And I felt about that a little bit like I feel when I hear a husband using a we statement to refer to labor and delivery. <laughs> Something like, we had a really easy labor this time around. I want to say, really? <laughs> I had never realized until I shared my first pregnancy with a church just how much of a community event a pregnancy is. There is a lot of we in the waiting. If you've ever been close to someone who is close to delivering a baby, you feel like you're on pins and needles as well. You're excited about the arrival. You're waiting for a phone call at any moment. You feel expectant, waiting for this big event. When there's a baby on the way, the sense of expectancy is catching. And we all look forward to a sense of the hope and excitement that new life Advent is like that. We are all expecting this season. There is hope and excitement and joy. There's a sense that something wonderful just might be about to happen, that something could change. And we're in this together. There's a lot of we in the waiting. That feeling is catching. And in fact, the whole world has caught it that feeling of hope and something special. It's so contagious that everyone out there is trying to make sense of this, this feeling of hope by making up some story of what it might be about. The story of a Grinch or a reindeer, a snowman, even Grumpy Cat is in on the act, trying to find a way to tell a story, a Christmas special that could capture the meaning of this season in just 30 minutes with lots of commercials. The feeling that something is about to happen is catching. And the world seems to be trying to figure it out. What is happening? What's the story here? The weary world is waiting, but the list of 238 Christmas specials makes it clear we have no idea what we're waiting for. Welcome to Advent, where we are all waiters in training. It seems odd to train to wait. It seems like a passive act. Why would we train for it? Why would we need to learn to do it? Because you're terrible at it. Just admit that. You are impatient when there are two people in front of you in the line at the grocery store. You can't stand it if the car in front of you sits still two seconds after the light turns green. How could you wait for a Messiah? Most of us are not good waiters. We need practice. We need training to wait, especially because every part of our lives will be filled with waiting for something. Every stage of life seems to be like we're waiting for the next one to come. And when it arrives, there's always a stage beyond that, especially if you're in this beautifully temporary and transitional time that is called seminary. But trust me on this. As soon as you reach that seemingly permanent stage after this, you will be in waiting for something else. The world is full of waiting, and if we don't train to wait, if we don't learn to do it well, we won't receive those bittersweet and beautiful lessons that God brings to us in the waiting. 
We've been fooled by chocolate advent calendars to assume that behind every door of waiting there will be something predictable and sweet, and that's just not the case. Author Sarah Bessie puts it this way. She says, Advent has become more important to me as I've gotten older. When I was young, I couldn't understand the emphasis on waiting. Let's get to this Christmas joy, she says. But now that I have wept, now that I've grieved, now that I have lost, now that I have learned to hold space with and for the ones who are hurting, now I have a place for Advent. Now that I've fallen in step with the man from Nazareth, I want to walk where he walked into the brokenness of this life and to see the kingdom of God at hand. Now that I have learned how much I need him, I have learned to watch for him. Advent is for the ones who know long. For those of us who live in this already not yet kingdom on earth, we will find there is always some sense of holy dissatisfaction with this world. Advent is a season where we learn to embrace holy waiting. A season that not only anticipates the arrival of a baby Jesus in a manger, but also serves to heighten our longing for the return of Christ. The second advent when all will be redeemed and made whole. Luke's Christmas special is the story of two expectant and waiting women, one who has waited so long she has almost lost hope, and one who is surprised by the gift that she never expected. And both women are about to receive a gift so great they can't even begin to understand what God is going to do through the tiny person Mary will soon hold in her arms. Luke's Christmas special portrays our God as an expectant God, a waiting God, a God who has been planning a gift that is so great he can hardly contain himself, waiting for the fullness of time to come. God expects Christmas to change the world. He expects it to come for those who have been waiting and longing and praying for something to change. And he expects it to come for people who have no idea they could even hope for such a gift for the Marys and the Elizabeths of this world. And both kinds of people will be taken off guard by the gift of God wrapped up in human flesh. Waiting is far from a passive act. It requires training and practice. Waiting is a countercultural act that is in itself pregnant with hope with that expectation that something is about to change, that somehow, in the process of waiting, what changes is also us. We are a waiting people. Welcome to Advent. May God give you the grace to wait well. Let us pray. Long-expected Jesus, We are still waiting for this world to be made whole. We're still waiting for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We are a waiting people, Lord, and we have to admit that we are terrible at it. We want what we want, and we want it now. So, Lord, convert us. Change us. Mold us and shape us while we are waiting and still Make us new in this season of newness of life. 
sit with us when we grieve, be with us when we are joyful, change us while we wait. In your name we pray, Jesus, the coming one. Amen.